Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. Well, it's a Thursday education focus, and we're glad to welcome back from General McLean School District and Superintendent Rick Scaletta. Rick, great to see you again, sir. Good to see you, Joel. All righty. So last time we checked in, you had the book of COVID, right? Yes, correct. (laughs) Have you been adding to it? Has there been more guidance? There, there has been more guidance, and the book is bigger. <laughs> oh, my goodness, yeah. Uh, you, you thought you couldn't find a five-inch binder, but you can. Uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, let, let's, let's talk about um, the, uh, just a review as we are now like just two weeks away from classes ending. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Like how has the spring semester gone? Any difference between the spring and the fall? Certainly fall had a lot more community spread of COVID-19. Yeah. yeah. Well, in terms of the spread, you know, we saw, you know, really an acceleration in numbers, uh, starting, you know, about two weeks after Halloween and, and it continued through the end of January, uh, February started the somewhat of a taper, but uh, last week for the first time in our district, there was no student or employee who was either a close contact or a positive COVID case. So uh, again, I've been tracking my numbers since uh, November and uh, last week was the first week with zero. Wow. That Okay. So that's a real drop off. Um, And uh, how many times did you actually have to close a building because you met that threshold that DOE said uh, about mm-hmm. building spread? Uh, three times, once in our elementary and twice in the high school. Okay. that That's really not that ma- many because we've seen no. some districts have these cycles of of spread. They reopen and there's more right. spread. And, and again, it doesn't take that many kids or staffers to close a building according to current DOE regulations, right? Correct. But remember, we did the half-day model. And and out of, uh, I, I can give you actual numbers. And again, this is only since November 29th that I've been tracking it. Uh, since November 29th, we've had 764 students or employees that were either a close contact or a positive uh, or a probable case. And you know, I, I broke that into um, 10 categories. We only had six close contacts in a classroom. Out of all those 764, six close contacts in the classroom. So you were able to catch those, those uh, kids or staffers while they were on remote, uh, up except for six out of the 764. No, it's it's because our in our classrooms were only half the students at a time, and they were always six feet apart. Okay, so that was the differentiator. Gotcha. Correct. And you couldn't in in the schools that did everybody there all the time, they couldn't do six feet. So th- that's the difference. What were what were the like the big changes that w- enabled you guys to do six feet? You moved some classes to the gym to the cafeteria. What what was what was it? We only had half the kids here at a time. Okay. So half the kids in the morning and half in the afternoon. And the classrooms and then, were big enough then? Mm-hmm. half, okay. Right. And then without uh, lunch, you know, lunch is a big issue. 
and without recess, we eliminated what, what could have been a lot of potential contact. Did you end up having some of your colleagues adopt your model or uh, did sometimes political or uh, community mm -hmm. issues get in the way of all that? No, I only know of one other district in the state that did the half day model. Interesting. And the only and the only drawback to it was, uh, you know, at the end of the year, when a lot of districts brought them all back, we couldn't do it. It was there were just too many hurdles to change from half day to, to full day. However, uh, we've been in uninterrupted since April. You know, we have in, and we're not going to be interrupted. So and you you basically put double the miles on the buses, although you didn't run the buses last year. So, I mean, like real, literally. Right. It yeah. was, so that was like the big thing was the transportation and, and, mm -hmm. and do a shout out for your bus drivers, because number one, having them is a thing. And then yeah. having them do double duty is a huge thing. Yep. Huge, huge shout out to them. And uh, Nancy Ekstrom, who's our transportation manager, uh, talk about coming up with crazy bus schedules and, you know, it, it was pretty insane. And they're all they're all pretty tired. And I think if we say, hey, let's do this again, they would be like, no way. <laughs> wow. But yeah, I mean, to to really when you think about it, the creativity of leaning into the assets that the district had. Mm -hmm. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I, I recently compiled a list of decisions we made that were good decisions for a pandemic. <laughs> You know, had, had we known the pandemic was coming, um, we would say, oh, yeah, this this was the way to go. Wow. Wow. The um, so as far as so so we we kept kids safe. I mean, again, that was the whole the whole uh, deal, even though COVID did go through the district uh, to the point of 764 close contacts, positives and probables. Um, but uh in the end, how would you grade this year? And let's let's start with the little guys. We did this before. Let's start with elementary. How did elementary navigate um, during these two semesters? Do you think that educational outcomes were achieved? Yeah, I think you know our focus was on math and reading, and and trying to maintain that. Our testing in January showed that we were right where we would normally be in a year. Wow. Um, we'll be doing assessments again here at, at this month. We're doing them now and we'll see where we end up. Um, uh, we might not be as on target as most years, but I don't think it's going to be like really, really bad because we did focus on that. And, and the reason we focused on that is that your reading and your math is going to contribute to learning in social studies and science in everything. Let, before I jump to the middle school, let me ask you, because we've had a bunch of conversations about early intervention. And if you're a child that uh, grows up in McCain or in Franklin Township or Washington Township or Edinburgh, what are your options before kindergarten? What's out there? Um, well, early intervention is, is specifically for students with special needs. Okay. And the intermediate unit does run a classroom uh, for those students in our McCain Elementary School. The other thing, um, there are some preschools in the community, but but not enough. <laughs> we have one in our Edinburgh Elementary, and that, that's a large one, Growing and Learning. They have five classrooms. And then there's one classroom at McCain run by the YMCA, and that's going to expand to another classroom next year. 
So you're you're saying that um, uh, that there is room for more uh, three, four, and five year, you know, three and four year old um, uh, yes. early child care, early childhood yep. education. Right. Yeah. Last summer, I I asked um, the existing programs if they could expand, and they were like, you know, we're pretty tapped out. And I said, well, you know, what if I try to get another group to come in here and run a preschool? And they're like, great. <laughs> you know, so they don't, even, they don't even see it as competition if, if, if some new ones came on the, on the block. You guys don't necessarily see um, Head Start at, in, the, in the district, do you? No, not, not at this time. What we, about pre-K counts? Does that show up at all? We're not. No, we're not doing that either. OK, so. So, again, the again, some of the conversations, I, I was just interested in that because um, because, again, there's all kinds of private. Uh, but it sounds like you could use a lot more private early childhood if it was right. if it existed. All right. So let's go to middle school. How did um, again, middle school at Parker's, you know, that's a Those are tough grades. There's mm -hmm. a lot of transition, mostly f emotionally. And uh, educationally for the kids, how do you think those guys did? Um, you know, I think they did okay. You know, again, they were relegated to staying in the room and staying six feet apart and wearing masks. We focused on, um, uh, we, we did the math and reading when they were with us in person. And on the half day, they, wasn't, they weren't with us. We did the um, science and um, social studies remotely um, and, you know, and, and didn't have the exploratories of music, art. Etc. Um, so uh, you know, I think they did it as well as could be expected. My my biggest concern about the whole year is we were rege we were relegated to passive learning. You know, sitting in your seat <laughs> and and learning. And really, what we have been stressing here for years is active, engaged learning, getting kids in groups. You know, moving around the room, do you know, doing all these things. So I hope that that can be quickly reestablished next year. And, and we don't have kids who are like, eh, do I really have to stand up? <laughs> <You know? laughs> wow. Well, what about the, you know, the different uh, learning styles that, that come into play with all this? Um, do, do we basically have to go for the kids that, that enjoy sitting there and, and learning didactically? <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yes. I, I mean, unfortunately, yeah. Hands-on learning wasn't like, I, I observed a, um, uh, high school health class, and they were learning about uh, blood pressure, and they had blood pressure monitors that in a normal year, they would learn to use it on another student. Right. Well, this year, they had to do it to themselves. <laughs> you know, when yeah. that doesn't go real well. Yeah. Uh, you know, so things like that, that that's, those are the experiences that we missed that, uh, you know, it's not to say that, you know, I, I think probably the experience the kids had this year just about everywhere is what we had growing up. You know, we didn't have the, the technology. We didn't have the, the uh, cooperative learning and, and the engagement that we do now. So it's not like, you know, they, they suffered horrendously. Look how well right. we turned out. Joel. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it's not, yeah. <laughs> not just the level that, that we've become accustomed. Well, again, uh, you, you have years of, um, you have years of research going into these uh, modalities that uh, right. that ch have changed since we were in school. Okay, so talk about the high school uh, again. Uh, one of the big things at GM e are these career pathways. Were you able to pull mm -hmm. any of that off? 
that no, that was that was pretty rough, you know, because obviously we weren't sending kids into companies like like we usually do. We we couldn't have speakers coming into the building, so some of the speakers were remote over Zoom, which yeah, you know, it just doesn't have the same impact. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, we we couldn't do a lot of that. But what we what they did do at the high school is they they had um, they were extremely flexible with kids' schedules. And part of the strategy to reduce the numbers in the building was to really push dual enrollment at the okay. universities. So a lot of kids felt like they were, you know, really preparing for college. And when we started having discussions about coming back to a normal day, a lot of the, the high school students were saying, no, don't want to. I'm already in college mode. I'm doing this this class and that class, you know, their their schedule was not the standard high school schedule, and they didn't want to change it. What about uh, kids going up to the technical school? What were, what were the perimeters that way? They were, uh, we maintained that. They, they were able to get there every day um, for, for their class. And, and at first, we had them do all of their classes with us remotely so that we didn't have any chance of, you know, a countywide spread. Uh, but then as we got further into the year, some of the kids just weren't doing well that way. So then we brought them back in. Our education expert, Rick Scaletta, is on the line with us here via Zoom. No phone calls as this has been pre-recorded, and we, we want to um, look to the, to the future now. So uh, the, the news this week, New York, L.A., the two largest school districts in the country are saying – we're going to be all in person five days a week, which, of course, is a big, big deal for them. Uh, what are we hearing in Pennsylvania? Uh, give us a, a sense for the entire region what uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Education is saying about the fall. I, I think for the most part, I mean, they haven't come out with a clear statement about the fall uh, other than there's going to be a lot of local decision that goes into it. And I'm, I'm going to predict that we're pretty much normal. Uh, all students five days a week, back to the normal things we do. As, as long as the vaccinations continue um, and as long as we get to that herd immunity, I think that uh, things should be pretty normal in the fall. And I mean, we're talking about kids in the hallways, in the cafeteria, sports, uh, gym class, PE and all that stuff, right? Yep. All that stuff. Wow. I think that, you know, I, I just read an article this morning from a, uh, uh, quoting a, a gentleman from the Harvard School of Health, and um, you know that's that's what he's predicting. Unless there's something that goes really weird, like you know this a mutant strain takes off. But you know the more people we have vaccinated, the sooner um, you know the the better it's going to be. And also, I'd point out that some of these people who won't get vaccinated um, sometimes they get COVID, and they're also contributing to herd immunity that way. Yeah, I think it's, it's a harder way to do it, but <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and and again, I continue to ask the question of the health people about um, about antibodies, and and so I think that's going to be a much later um, in the game that we'll end up mm -hmm. finding out that oh yeah, when when you get sick, you have months and months of of um, protection, but nothing right. is nothing is perfect. What do you think has permanently changed? As far as quote the new normal for running a, running schools these days for the building uh, leadership and for the teachers, I I think the online component has advanced rather quickly, <laughs> and uh, even though we don't like it and we don't think it's effective for kids, I think it's going to be part 
of what we do forever. And I'm not talking, uh, I, I'm talking at, at the basic level. Uh, most schools have something called a learning management system. And the learning management system is where teachers post material, videos, uh, worksheets, assignments, and then the students access it there and, and exchange it and give it back to the teacher through the learning management system. Like an system. infinite campus kind of thing or? Correct, okay. yeah. Our, ours is called Schoology. That's that's a popular one. Infinite mm -hmm. Campus is another one. And so um, I think that, you know, prior to the pandemic, some teachers used it well and some did not. Now they had to all use it. So they should all be well versed in that. So and, and that makes a difference in terms of, uh, well, I'm going to miss I'm sick and I have to stay home. You should be able to get everything online without bothering the teacher. <laughs> yeah. You don't ask Sally to bring home your work. Right. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. Um, what about this concept? Uh, and we were talking about it the other day. We were kind of joking about it on the show, but like uh, snow days are forever gone. And and GM was the one of the first districts in the state to go to a virtual model. Wow. Was that fortuitous going into the <laughs> pandemic? Right. Oh, very much so. I, I'll tell you a true story. This is sort of funny. So in August of 2019, um, they, they announced at the beginning of August, you could apply for these flexible instructional days and, and you only had to August 30th to do it. So, so I did it and was the only district that did it. And it, it was sort of a hard sell. And I, and I was talking with our union president and he was like, I'm not sure if it's really the best way to go. And I said, well, you know, there are other reasons we, we could use this and, you know, other than a snow day. I said, you know, there are something could happen in the building like a fire and we, we even have a pandemic policy that, you know, you never know. We might oh need it. Honest to gosh, I said oh that. And so he, there we were in March. <laughs> wow. Pull, yeah. yeah. Dust it off. Oh, yeah. here's, here's the pandemic which, policy. Which, which, by the way, was worthless because it, it was like two lines and said, in the event of a pandemic, do what the county health department tells you to do. <laughs> Speaking of that, I, again, uh, their enforcement uh, group, I, I, they feel, they've been very complimentary about the schools. How complimentary are the schools about the health department? Oh, it's been a, it's been great. I think our working relationship has has been wonderful. They, somebody from the health department was in our. We had weekly superintendent meetings, with the uh, set up by the IU, and there was somebody from the health department there every week. They kept us up to date on what was going on. Uh, when we hit, um, you know, late October, November, and they became overwhelmed, you know, it fell on the school districts to do the contact tracing, and I, and I do hope that the people understand. Uh, we owe the school districts a, a large debt of gratitude because we moved from public education to public health. And many of us employed contact tracers that, you know, that, that we're paying for out of the federal funds that really became the de facto health department of our school district. So that all those 764 cases I mentioned to you, those all went through our, our, uh, pandem our pandemic coordinator and our school nurses. That's incredible. Um, uh, do you feel like uh, next time uh, you're, you're parsing the budget that the school nursing budget will be, uh, you know, there'll be a champion for that as well? That's a that's a permanent change. Well, one, one of the decisions I, I noted as as a good decision for a pandemic was keeping a nurse at every school building. Yeah, it would have been difficult this year without that. So so some districts are uh, are having to cut that way or did before well, many, di many districts already have. The wow. They'll share a nurse or they'll use an LPN and, you know. 
uh, in the next uh, minute or so, uh, let's talk about. Um, uh, I want I want to make sure we we cover you know extracurriculars for a second here. Uh, we are actually able to do Broadway dinner kind of redone for the, for yes. the pandemic, right? Talk about it. It's it's actually uh, Wednesday night and and Thursday night the twenty seventh. So tonight when this airs, and um, it's Broadway not dinner this year. <laughs> Broadway it's, not dinner. Okay. It, it's outside. Can it's I usually get a hot art. dog? <laughs> yeah. Well, there are going to be food trucks. Good. Okay. Beautiful. So yeah. There will be five or six food trucks at seven o'clock. The jazz band will play at dusk at eight forty-five. The show starts. Grise has a, a stage and three screens. And uh, it should be a pretty neat production. Right in Linden Field there. Well, no, actually, we're doing it on the North Soccer Field um, okay. at the north end of the building. Okay. Yeah. That's we didn't want to poke holes into the, the turf. <laughs> nah, no, yeah. yeah we we got to keep that going. So, so, and I is now what, what about getting a ticket to that still for Thursday night? Is that a possibility um, or no? You, possibly if you get online um, okay. and, and our website, it'll direct you to get a ticket if there are any available. We are limiting the number still because okay. we're, but we're outside and, you know, if you throw in the vaccine, we've had um, uh, my wife and a math professor at the university looking at calculating the numbers. Yes. And then, and then the whole mask thing threw things off. So. Okay. Yeah. So, so um, the, this, the, and then you anticipate Broadway dinner and the recitals and things. I mean, is that all? Is some of that able to happen for, I mean, certainly for next year, but I mean, are, are the, how much of performing arts are you able to pull off other than Broadway? Well, yeah. Th this is going to be it okay. for, for this right. year. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. It actually is a good month and a half later than typical. So. Right. It's usually in March. Yeah. Alrighty. We're talking to Rick Scaletta. We're going to take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, stay with us because we're going to uh, go after ways to stop the summer slide. Rick's going to put his his educator hat on and partner with parents and grandparents on making sure that this summer is one where the kids could really um, not lose some ground here. Our education focus this week is, uh, you know, stopping the summer slide, and uh, we've got Rick Scaletta. He's the superintendent of the schools of the General McLean School District. Uh, you're talking about Edinburgh, Washington Township, McCain, um, uh, McCain Township, and uh, uh, Franklin Township. Did I cover that all there? Is that it? Pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. Um, you know, at one point you were concerned about uh, – uh, you know, enough young people to keep the the um, the district going. How how are the demographics these days? That, in your opinion, um, you know, we've sort of leveled off in in terms of enrollment and in in terms of demographics. We do have a housing shortage in the district. Sure do. Uh, a lot of people want to move in, but there just aren't the homes in the right price range for them. But we have seen some some building picking up lately, and. Uh, you know, so I think we're sort of at, at equilibrium here. Yeah, I, I've always felt that, uh, you know, in in McCain Borough, there, if someone had the idea to do little quarter acre lots, you know, and mm -hmm. I mean, you could probably put 100 homes in there, you know, with, with city water and sewer and, 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 yeah. and do it well. All right. That's a whole other story. So let's talk about academic achievement and mm -hmm. how we can keep things going. So uh, I think the word that you use, uh, you know, in every conversation is that that students are resilient. Talk about yeah. that. 
Well, I, I think this year that that we learned that students are resilient. Um, there was so much discussion last summer about young kids wearing masks, how what a disaster that was going to be. Not a problem. They, <laughs> they, they they adapted. They they wore the mask, except for the story of the one kid going to school with a Superman mask and returned with Batman. So, he, you know, <laughs> they, they thought it was neat and switched. Uh, awesome. Not the idea there. But anyway, um, you know, and I, I think interestingly, what happened at the high school is that, you know, I had a, a senior say to me, high school ended last March, March 2020. And you know, I think as adults, we go, oh, this is so sad that they're, they're just, they've checked out, you know, they're, and they're not into the end of the school year stuff like normal. And we as adults, you know, want to cry and be sad about it. But I say that's actually a sign of the resilience be because what's the alternative? Moping around all year saying, oh, we got cheated and this really stinks. And no, they said, okay, it's like we're getting transitioning to college now and getting there a little sooner than expected, but that's okay. And so, you know, I think in some ways, you know, for us as adults, we may be sad about them not being as excited as we want them to be, but I, I think they've actually uh, moved on and are resilient. So you don't, you don't feel that, um, you know, next first quarter up and down your district, there's going to be a, a bit more remediation than would be typical? Oh, there will there will be more transition for sure. Take, yeah. for example, next year in our elementary schools, both the kindergarten class and the first grade class will never have moved around the building. Yeah. The, you know, they will never have had the experience of, you know, doing certain things. So so that's going to be different. And, and they won't have uh, the idea of working together in, in a group of another student. So there will definitely be a lot of transition. I think that. Um, uh, in terms of remediation, we're not sure what to expect there. We have no idea what our, our we had 411 kids finish the year still in cyber full time. We have no idea what, you know, needs they'll have. Um, so we'll just have to see and, and adjust. Do you, do you think that school districts like yours will have to uh, increase the workforce uh, on, on like uh, teacher's aides and wraparounds and so on? We, um, our, our plan, which, which still is coming together for the, the federal money, the recent round of federal money, is uh, to beef up uh, what we call multi-tier system of supports, MTSS, and in our counseling, so that we would have additional people to provide those services based on the need. So, um, well, I hope I you mean, can that, find them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So, but the parents can help in this yes. deal. And they always are. I mean, they've been strong partners, haven't you? Don't right. you think? Absolutely. So, uh, you know, this summer, um, I, I remember reading an article a while ago about uh, the summer slide. And the research showed that it, it did not occur with children whose parents and grandparents family kept them engaged in the summer going places, going to museums, history museums, going to art museum, going to summer concerts, going to the library. Take, I mean, there are so many free things that are available to kids in the Erie area. I mean, we are so blessed in this community. Uh, you know, like right here in Edinburgh, we have Goodell Gardens and they have things for children. And, you know, and it doesn't cost anything except, you know, the cost of gas to get there. So, so that's number one is keeping the kids engaged in the many, many activities that are you know, quasi-educational, they're, they're fun, 
but they're also going to benefit from uh, just partaking. Uh, number two is reading. You wanna keep your kids reading all summer. Um, again, there's that neat thing called the library where you can get free materials. Uh, before the kids leave school, if you want to talk to their teacher about the reading level to get an idea of what kind of books they, you know, they could be reading and just, you know, keep them reading all summer. Yeah, and and I, I noticed, too, that through the library, you can get ebooks. And with all these kids loaded up with all this technology now, right, are they a, yeah. do they have to bring back their Chromebooks or generally or are they hanging on to them? Well, this year we need them back okay. because um, we are we are selling them <laughs> to, okay. to purchase new ones. We have a regular rotation gotcha. where where we do that. But if they so, already have a tablet at home, you could you don't you can you could even uh, do the ebook thing and and sign out books through uh, Amazon or Kindle or what have you. Right. Um, right. Uh, what about do you feel like teachers are going to load up on summer reading lists? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, okay. I, I mean, I think it, it is that should be pretty standard. I, I I always had a list. I I don't know if that's still a thing. Yeah, we uh, we make a list available for the classes at, at the high school so they know what they're going to be reading the next year, so they can get a head yeah. start. I mean, I wouldn't have. Uh known a farewell to Manzanar without uh, <laughs> that was one of my one of my books going to freshman year at Mercier's prep uh, so yeah read reading is definitely things uh uh scholastic is saying you could even start like a kid's book club that's kind of fun yeah kids book club uh a, a book you're reading with mom and a book you're reading with dad or grandma or whoever um and, and just see how many you could do or even have have a, a a contest of how many books you read. And, and, and the key here, Rick, is not necessarily the content, but the action, right? It's the building of vocabulary, building of experience. Right. Yeah. Just to, to become a better reader, you have to read. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> practice, it, it's that, practice, practice. That's right. It, it's that wow. simple. So experiences all around the community, reading. And the third thing uh, is routine. Oh, one, okay. one of the big problems with kids coming back in the fall is they're out of a routine. The parents let them sleep as late as they want. They let them not follow a schedule. So you really want to get them into a, a summary. It could be a different routine, but, but still a routine that they're used to following. So that, and then you might ramp that up a little bit when you get closer to September and you know, make uh, bedtime earlier and waking up earlier and, and establish that routine. If you're able to go on vacation, it, are there better choices than others for this summer slide? I, I mean, well, I, I would say if you're going on vacation, go on vacation. Okay, sure. <laughs> you know, there, there, there's, there's benefit to downtime and there's benefit to doing nothing. And there's also benefit to unstructured play. Kids need, you know, we get them so involved in soccer league and karate league and piano lessons and this, that, and the other thing. Uh, you know, I remember when I was a kid, my, my porch was my ship and the, uh, the blinds were my sails. And, you know, I spent hours there just pretending I was at sea on my porch wow. and, um, kids, uh, need to be able to do that. They need unstructured playtime. And I, I think in some ways we are cheating them by not providing that. Yeah. You're, you're a big advocate of less technology is better uh, where, where do you put tech? Do you put time limits during the summer? What, what's your take on all that? 
Yeah, I, you definitely have to. And, and you have to say, get outside and play. And well, what am I going to do out there? I don't know. You know, create a gas station. That's what we used to do. We used to play gas station. We took a stick and a string and tied it to a door handle and said, this is the pump. Drive up your bicycle and I'll fill you up. You know, things like that. You, you don't need anything uh, to have imaginative play. So um, make sure that that there is non-technology time. They, I think they begin to think they can't do anything without a screen. Yeah. Uh, and uh, when you think about active play, I mean, we're, we're fighting a lot of contagions here in addition to the pandemic waning, including uh, childhood obesity and, and mm -hmm. uh, depression. All, yeah. all, those, all, that, all that chemistry activates when we move, right? Correct. Yes. I mean, yeah, it, it just it seems to be a thing that we've got to do. All right. So um, let's let's have some encouragement uh, for our families as we wrap things up here. Uh, looking through, you know, finishing well summer and entering the fall. Uh, mm -hmm. Give us give us a guide, some guideposts here. Well, again, I, I think you're going to see pretty soon um, the mask order being being done. And I think we can get life back to normal. And, and so I think we need to start uh, celebrating that and, and having kids get together and do things together and looking forward. I, I think it would not be unfair to, to keep saying to the kids, it's going to be better next year. It's going to be, you know, normal. Um, and that it's uh, enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think you bring up a really excellent point of, you know, how the adults are feeling about things mm -hmm. uh, could really be a directive to how the kids will feel. If the adults are feeling hopeful and optimistic as opposed to uh, cynical or depressed, uh, right. I mean, we they, they pick up so many of these cues from us. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, I think we have to look at everything positively. And so many people would complain that, you know, uh, they keep changing things, they keep changing things. And I'm like, let's celebrate that because this is an unknown virus. And the fact that they're changing our response to it means we're learning about it. If we weren't changing our response, it would mean we're not learning about it. And that's going to be dangerous. So you have to look at the positive side of everything. All right. In our last couple of minutes, I, I want to pay tribute to you and your work uh, uh, as you uh, next time we talk to you, you will no longer be the superintendent at General McLean. Uh, reflect back a bit on on your years at the at the school that you love. Well, I, yeah, I, I've been doing that a lot lately and, and it seems like a different world, you know, back in the 80s when I started everything. Everything was so different. How young from, were you? Were you like 23 or something? I, I was 22. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I was 22. And uh, and I thought I'd never get older. <laughs> <laughs> and you jumped and, right into the music department, right? Yeah, I, w I was assistant band director and choral director. So my, my first experience at the school was with the band, you know, coming in for band camp. And um it, you know, did did the music thing for eight years and had the choir program. Started the Broadway dinner in 1981, 40 years ago. Wow! And uh, you know, my kudos to Bruce and Trish Yates for keeping it going and making it what it is. Um, and uh, yeah, just over the years, a lot of a lot of different things that uh, have occurred. But the constant has been wonderful kids. You know, yeah. 
uh, I think most when I think back, kids come to my mind, you know, not not programs, not um, technology. It's it's the different kids throughout the years. And some of them I, I still hear from even from the 80s. And that's great. At some point you had to say, hey, I have a leadership gift, a God given gift, and I need to use that leadership, mm-hmm. whereas not everybody has that. Not everybody chooses to put their neck out. What made you do it? Um, I, I think it was a calling. I mean, I, I felt very strongly that, uh, I mean, as soon as I started teaching, I started in the administrative program. And, and at first, I, I think I uh, fooled myself into believing that's because there wasn't a, a master's in music program available. Uh, but I really liked it. I liked management. I, I like reading about leadership theory and, and things like that, a little geeky that way. And I like, uh, you know, school law and policy and things like that. And so, I, you know, I just felt like I was being drawn to do that. And um, uh, our pr- principal at the time sort of mentored me and encouraged me to do that. And so when the position for assistant principal came up, I, I went for it. And then, of course, you've been um the superintendent uh, these past right. few years, and uh, um, it's been uh, quite a remarkable ride. And uh, do you feel like for such a time as this, because of this pandemic, that is kind of, kind of your swan song is uh, yeah. in in crisis, and you've managed it well. Yeah, I definitely felt. I I wrote one of my Lancer letters about this, and and I really think about my father, who when he was nineteen went to fight World War II. And, and, and I believe that this pandemic was our World War II, and, and we were called to do what we could do in this worldwide crisis, just like in World War II. But guess what? People weren't shooting bullets at us. <laughs> they were bombing us. You know, so, so we're getting an easier job here. But I really felt that that same calling that my father answered that I was answering in the leadership role. Well, I congratulate you on your many years of service, and certainly we're we're not saying goodbye to you, but we're saying uh, uh, farewell from one uh, chapter in your life and excited for your next chapter. Thank you. Thank you very much. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>